Before we get started, a special thank you is in order to our friends over at Stanley Customs. Stanley Customs creates amazing custom sports figurines for all you athletes out there. Right now, our listeners will get 15% off their order and all interviewees will get 25% off of their order simply by going to Stanley underscore Customs on Instagram and telling them that Globally Ballin sent you. Thank you. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Globally Ballin podcast, a product of the Globally Ballin podcast network we have a fantastic interview for you today so sit back and enjoy and thank you all for joining us one more time here's the music i gotta let you go finish the game with a broken hand yeah finish the game with- i'm rio 2016 silver medalist and asian games 2018 gold medalist young man how do you use a celebrity for good you know, it's, uh, up until that point, most of us as, as athletes were taught how to use a celebrity to manipulate, to get a girl, to get famous, whatever it is. We're hours away from kind of the nearest hospital to end up losing this leg over. I don't think a lot of people know the opportunities there are actually to play overseas, especially in the women's category. Actually broke my neck. I was paralyzed from the waist down, and I was never supposed to walk again, much less be able to play football again. Had a couple guys get robbed at gunpoint, um, and one of them was just like, "Yeah, get me out." At the same time, there are some who would still keep their nine to five jobs because the pay for being an athlete isn't enough. Don't complain when we look like idiots abroad in these big tournaments. What league or country gave you the best pay contract-wise? Probably Turkey my last season. Okay. Keep the intro short and sweet. Uh, Today's interview is with a former AFL player, arena football player, Jojo Polk. Jojo has some awesome stories because Jojo was playing arena football during the height of the league, right in the middle of the 2000s. Um, So he's got some fantastic stories that I won't jump into. I'll let him completely handle that. They're awesome stories. You're going to want to stick around. But in addition, JoJo also has an overarching story that's a part of his experience playing indoor football, and that is a significant injury, and yet there's a twist to his injury that is something I've never heard before in my life. So again, I'll let JoJo tell that story. We're kind of continuing off of our last episode when we were talking to Kevin Wesniak, a majority shareholder of the Jacksonville Sharks, the defending champs of the National Arena League. We're kind of branching off that and staying in the same topic of indoor football, but now we kind of continue on the story of what arena football was. And to get a good look into that, I mean, Kevin talked about it a bit, but his our interview was a little focused a little bit more, a little bit differently. And so JoJo kind of has the reins and he does well in the interview to just let go and tell us all about it. What was it like? Was it really as mythical as we see? I mean, yeah, we saw you on ESPN. We saw you on ABC. We went to see you in full stadiums. I had the video game. You know, there were figurines. And people were getting six figures. But was it really that big of a deal? Was that it? And you know what? Out of all those things I listed, JoJo still got a bunch more stories. So you're really going to want to listen to this one. Enjoy it. Um, especially for you that don't remember arena football. At least what it was. Even if you go to games now, it's not this. And so um, enjoy the stories from JoJo. He's a fantastic storyteller. 
and he's got an amazing story to tell, not only about playing, but that injury that played a significant role in his life. So before I get to do the the quick thank yous, before we get started, I will say on a personal note, it was kind of cool being able to interview JoJo. I remember going back as a kid, watching him play for the Grand Rapids Rampage in the Arena League, and I actually was able to talk to him specifically about an injury I saw him endure while playing, and it was a real interesting kind of you know, colliding of worlds. I reflect back on an injury. I remember seeing always kind of wondered about that guy was able to track him down and he, and then that individual was able to give me the details on his injury. Just a cool little insight about, you know, uh, the fun I'm having here and we're all having here working on the, uh, on the podcast. So that was sweet. Just wanted to add that in there. Thank you to the listeners. I, I do also have to say thank you to a group of podcasters. They do the Preferred Talk-Ons podcast. It's a podcast that specializes in college football, fantasy college football, and they're great. I was able to bounce some ideas back and forth with a member on on their team, and so they're great. You got to go check them out if you like football at all. It's, again, that's the Preferred Talk-Ons podcast. You can find it Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's a great, uh, great show. So thank you to, to their team for giving me some feedback about this. So enjoy it. Thank you to you listeners. You're really what keeps us going. I appreciate it so much. We all appreciate it. But also, can't forget to thank him again, JoJo Polk. Thank you for the interview. It's a fantastic man. And uh, enjoy. Hey, everybody. This episode is brought to you by an additional sponsor. We are now also brought to you by Creating Young Minds. Creating Young Minds is a nonprofit out of Louisville, Texas, right outside of Dallas. You may remember we've had an episode in the past with the founders of Creating Young Minds, Dr. Shira Ackerman and Coach Mathis Crowder. Creating Young Minds strives to help young men achieve success in their life where they may not have otherwise achieved that success. One way they do this is through their new basketball team. The Louisville Yellow Jackets, affiliated with Creating Young Minds, play in TBL, the Basketball League, and through a combination of their nonprofit as well as their basketball team, Creating Young Minds and the Louisville Yellow Jackets are doing their best to bring the European model of basketball to the United States. That is Creating Young Minds. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, basically everywhere. Find creating young minds check them out see what they're all about and when the tbl league rolls around once again keep an eye out for the lewisville yellow jackets thank you hey man how you doing good how are you i'm good good so what i'd like to cover kind of today is your experience we so our, our newest episode before this one will be about some of the other indoor football leagues and then of course so then we want to follow that up with you who played kind of during the height of the afl and kind of your story about that and what you're doing now so um to start off let's start off with who am i talking to introduce yourself and what your experience is with with football okay all right uh my name is jojo polk i'm a former afl football player arena football league i played in the league for about 10 years four different teams and uh now uh, i'm owner for fitness studio in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's a fitness studio um, and I also am a trainer. So what was your time with football before arena football? Um, I actually played football ever since I was little. Ended up going to a Division II school in Northeastern State College in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. About an hour away from Tulsa. And uh, was an All-American there, D2, and got 
looks from the league. So when I was actually getting looked at by the Kansas City Chiefs, they told me they wanted me to go against some more professional competition. So they told me about the Arena League. I had never heard of it. And it was indoor football. And I was like, what? Didn't even know they did that. So I went to a team in Tulsa because that was the closest thing to me. And I ended up playing like seven games, getting like seven interceptions and leading the team in tackles. And so the Chiefs were like, yeah, that's great. You know, I think you're ready. So I ended up signing a contract with them. But we had a game that Saturday. And uh, when we played that game, I actually got injured in that game. And that was year one. So that would have been year one of arena football? for you? Yep, that was year one of arena football for me. Okay, so I actually, the reason kind of I picked your name out is because I am from Grand Rapids, and so I remember watching you play for the Grand Rapids Rampage during the height of the AFL, and I actually, I didn't, I did, we'll get into more about your injury later on, your other one, Yes. but I guess starting off right now, I saw you get hurt really bad at the Rampage. Was that potentially the same injury we're looking at? No, that was a different one. Okay, I I just wanted to make sure it wasn't the same one because, yeah, I remember watching you play and diving into the corner and getting stretched out. But, okay, so. Well, I mean. Uh, yeah, go um, ahead. It was the same. Well, they were scared for that reason. But I didn't end up being as hurt as I did before, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So after your injury, let's start there, actually. Your first one. The Chiefs then, what, completely back off or they wait to see if you get better or what's their play there? Uh, well, yeah, at that point, believe it or not, do you want me to tell you just everything? Like, yeah, if you can. Okay. All right. So I ended up playing in that game, and, and when I got injured, I actually broke my neck. I was paralyzed from the waist down, and I was never supposed to walk again, much less be able to play football again. Um, wow. So at that point, of course, my NFL contract was null and void, and um, I was just honestly praying that I would be able to walk again. And, you know, I didn't really care too much about football at that point. Just to, you know, accelerate, I actually got feeling back in my my leg um god is good and next thing you know i was trying to walk again and next thing you know i figured i could walk why not try and jog again and then i figured i can jog why not try and run and after that i just tried to see what i could do so i played a little bit of flag football with the military league because my sister was in the marines and uh i took us to the championship and we won and i realized dang i can still play some football in a little bit so i just kept rehabbing and trying to get better and i ended up getting a phone call from Marshall Foreman, who ended up being the defensive coordinator for the Grand Rapids Rampage. He just happened to be my defensive coordinator when I was in Tulsa. He heard that I had made a recovery, and he called me, and the first thing he said was, are you ready? And I was like, am I ready for what? Who is this? <laughs> I don't know what's going sure. on. You know? And uh, he was like, this is Marshall, man. It's Coach Foreman. And he was like, I was like, oh, what's up, Coach? You know? He was like, hey, man, I got moved up, because Tulsa Talons were actually Arena 2, so Grand Rapids was actually in the AFL arena yeah. league and uh he's like I actually got moved up and he's like I have all these guys that they want me to bring in but he said I heard you may be ready and he he said even half of you is better than any of these people that could ever play I've never had anyone <laughs> <laughs> play as hard as you do so I was like yeah man I, I'm, I'm good I, yeah I can come out there and did I know I was good no I was just I mean but I wasn't gonna pass up this opportunity sure. you know so they flew me up to Grand Rapids and we're in camp and and uh, our coach was Michael Trigg at the time. And uh, I remember I was guarding Mike Baker, one of the premier receivers.
receivers in the Arena Football League. And uh, it was almost like an, an identical play that happened to me when I broke my neck. Because when I broke my neck, I was actually guarding the receiver. I went to break up a pass. I tripped over the receiver's foot and hit the wall head first. So that's what happened when I broke my neck. So fast forward and we're in camp and I'm guarding Baker. I know they're about to run a crossing route. So boom, we run the crossing route. I break up the pass. Both of us hit the wall. Boom, right? I jump up, run back to the huddle. I'm thinking everything is fine. And I'm looking around and everybody's kind of quiet. Everybody's still. And I'm like, what is going on? And Coach Trigg walks over to me real slowly, leans over and is like, don't, don't ever do that again. (laughs) Uh, but I think with that, I think that's what showed him that I wasn't going to be afraid and I was going to just play like I've always played. You know, the reason why coach brought me in there in the first place. And I think that day is kind of why I made that team. And, you know, the rest is history from there. So, okay. So you get injured your first year playing in Tulsa. You make a recovery after breaking your neck to play a year later for the Rampage? Yes. Okay. Isn't that crazy? That, like, literally, of course I it is. broke my neck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, God is good, man. There's, yeah. there's no medical medical explanation for it, so you got to seek out a higher power, man. There's a lot of people praying for me. I, and plus, I mean, I've always had a positive attitude when things happen to me, and I kept that attitude. I really focused on, like, just trying to, like I said, walk again, mostly. But once I did that, I kind of I didn't basically follow doctor protocol. <laughs> and I, like I said, tried to run, tried to accelerate that process. But once I started playing, man, it's just like I just felt that love that I had for the game. And I felt like I still had an elite level in me. So I really pushed it. And when I flew out to Grand Rapids and had a great camp and they told me they were signing me, I was just like, oh, my God, like, this is nuts. And honestly, I broke my neck July of 2000. We were raising the Arena Bowl trophy. August of 2001. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, so your return is that was that against advice of like family or doctors or were they basically hands off? Yeah, so basically doctors did not want me to play again and my mom definitely didn't want me to play anymore. So yeah, I, can I mean, yeah, it, it was it was me against the world at at a point, but honestly the doctors they assured me that nothing could really happen unless I did the exact same thing or was in a car wreck or whatever, but they still didn't want me to play of course, you know, because sure. that's how it happened my mom was just like you know you can finally walk again you can do this like don't you want a family don't you want this and of course that was a main reason why i wanted to walk again i just wanted to have kids i have a wife you know like everybody else you know but football was my first love and the fact that i could play it again i wasn't gonna pass that up plus i just i was smarter at this point i was a you know i felt like i was a better player i had never played arena until that point and so now i felt like i knew the game a little more so if I got called back to it, I'd be kind of ready, you know? Yeah. So, okay. So you're in Grand Rapids for two years, 2001, 2002, and then you continue on. I want to kind of get a look at some of these other ones you played at. But before we do that, you were playing in, so a lot of people may not know that the arena football still exists, the arena football yeah. league, but you were playing at a different kind of arena football league, right? You're playing yeah. at the height of the league, even to the point where, like you said, the Kansas City Chiefs why saw you playing, right? They wanted to see you play there. Like they suggested right. arena football. And that, yes. do you have any sort of idea about what it looks like today versus when 
when you played arena football or are you completely out of that world? Yeah, I, I, I I'm kind of out of that world, but I still kind of know what it looks like. Cause I have, I have some friends that actually still play. Um, okay. and then, you know, you know, Clint Dozell is the coach for yes. Philadelphia soul. And, yes. You know, so, you know, I still track him and just see, see if he's doing well. Cause you know, he's won two or three championships as a coach now. So here's the thing. So when I was playing in arena football, arena had been around since late eighties, early nineties, something like that. But when we were playing around this time, like it had just gotten to the stratosphere. Like ES, we had just picked up an ESPN contract. We had picked up a contract with ABC. We weren't just on TNT anymore and things like that. We were, you know, on like we were on like major time television. You know what I'm saying? Like we we were playing oh, yeah. in the afternoons, just like the college players, Ohio State and all those big games. So it was huge at that point. Plus, Mike Dicka was an owner um, in Chicago. John Bon Jovi was an owner in Philly. Deion Sanders was an owner in Austin. John Elway was an owner in Denver. You wow. know what I mean? Like it, it was, it was huge. Like all of a sudden, it just uh, we had to reform our union. Like we had to form reform our union because it got that serious. Because contracts were starting to get a lot bigger. You know, quarterbacks were getting paid three figure checks. You know, they were getting wow. two hundred thousand dollar checks. Like yeah, it was wow. that was unheard of. You know what I mean? So it had got to a point where holy crap, this this could be a sustainable leap. You know, yeah. and it was the next next biggest thing to the NFL. We had surpassed the CFL at that point. We were getting more of an audience than the CFL because it was a lot funner to watch. I mean, it's high scoring, it's high, big hits all the time. You know, quarterbacks are throwing six and seven touchdowns. Like, that was fun to watch, you know? Plus, you know, you have players like me dancing on the field and yeah. like just, you know, having fun, just giving your all out there. That was that was fun to watch because in the NFL, you know, it, it was starting to get political and it was starting to get to a point where players would only play in, you know, if they were playoff worthy or, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Games started getting boring. You know, teams were winning games three to nothing. No one wants to see that stuff, you know? So we came around and we were coming up around the right time. And so Arena like blew up. Like it was just huge. I mean, we I'm on a video game. I never thought that would happen. I have that one. Just for the record, I have that game at home. So I want that on the record. I have arena football. All right, all right, that's good. I'm glad you. Yeah, I have it too, man. I can't play it anymore, but I have it. You know what I mean? And it's like, but it's just things that you thought would never happen. Arena League was having, uh, we had figure like they were having arena like figurines, like like they do the NFL. Like it was unbelievable. And names like our quarterback Clint Dozell, and um, you know, look what happened to Kurt Warner. You know what I'm saying? Kurt yeah. Warner goes to the Rams and you know wins Super Bowl. Like it just started getting bigger than us. I mean, people don't know this and you might not know this but downtown eddie brown that that's that's antonio brown's dad like he was oh, wow. with indiana yeah he was with the firebirds forever and he was like he's he you have to say he might be the most renowned receiver that ever played in the arena football league well people don't understand that's antonio brown's dad <laughs> so he i mean he got it from him you know what i mean it's things like that that people were like they find out like holy crap arena league was bigger than what we got you know and yeah. a lot of nfl players that were were not making NFL teams or getting cut, all of a sudden they started coming to the NFL. We were playing against NFL talent. You know what I mean? And that's made it even bigger. That's so, people looking at it today, there's 
what, like six teams, and it just looks so much different, and you really have to dive and, and cut it back to see what it was, and you're right, it was huge. I, I'm, I do remember that, And but, you know, then it falls, and, and things change, uh, but before that happens, you're bouncing around a lot, so after you finish Grand Rapids, you're down to Buffalo and Columbus, back to Grand Rapids. What was it like? Was that kind of the way the teams worked during that time, or were you a little bit different getting shuffled around? I mean, so here's the thing, like, I was a very good defensive back, and so okay. uh, they call you uh, defensive a specialist basically all i did was play defense so if you can stop a team at least two or three times in the arena league you're doing great right yeah so teams were highly touting defensive specialists and so i got sought out but my contract was over with grand rapids and i got sought out so i ended up signing with buffalo because i kind of like one of the coaches out there and um we weren't very good how about that (laughs) (laughs) they wanted to change the team around um and we weren't very good but so my my year two in buffalo was not the funnest i mean we our defense was number six in the league i mean we were great you know and back then there was like 19 teams 21 team? I can't remember. It was, it was a lot of teams back. So I don't know if you knew this, but Buffalo, we moved to Columbus. Like, so. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So Buffalo's team disbanded and oh, we yeah, moved the whole team to Columbus. Okay. And so it was still, so we went from the Buffalo Destroyers to the Columbus Destroyers. And then in Columbus, we started making a big name for ourselves because it's a bigger market, a lot uh, more exposure. The stadium is was huge. They had the Columbus hockey team that we played in their stadium and got to fly their private jet let me throw that out there that was pretty awesome uh, uh, yeah that changed the game right there that was pretty awesome but so I started getting noticed more there but I was a loyal player man I really liked my coach and he it was my contract year this was when I get paid you know and I could have went I had every team in the league after me but I stayed with him I took a pay cut and stayed in Columbus because they weren't offering me as much to be honest yeah and then believe it or not his name was Waylon Hardin he ended up leaving and going to New York and being their head coach and I was like what oh. I, stayed here. I stayed here for you man what the heck <laughs> another defensive coordinator came in he wanted to put his own scheme and so I didn't fit that scheme so they traded me back to Grand Rap um and at that point, Sparky McEwen was the coach. And he used to be the offensive coordinator, which I hate to say it, Clint Dozell basically called his own plays. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, it was, there was that factor. So I, Sparky wasn't the most, how do I say it, uh, experienced coach, you know? Sure. And so I went back to Grand Rapids, had fun, but it wasn't the same experience as it was before. We ended up ending the season really well, but we didn't start very well. And I still, I mean, the fans were still phenomenal as always. And some of the best fans ever that I've ever played in front of but then it was time to move on but at that point like the league was starting to go downhill at that point you could feel it in 2005 yep and no one knew why it's like what is going on so I ended up spending another year just sitting on the bench in Grand Rapids and then after that I just left the team I was like no I don't want to play here anymore so I ended up going down to the lower league and I ended up playing in what they call the AIFL for the Canton legends and um it was in ohio so i you know i just was used to being in ohio so i went there plus uh one of the players that i used to play with bobby olive in in buffalo he was the coach down there so he was like jojo please come down here and like you know help my team out help me like get some wins and we did we ended up winning the championship and at that point i realized dang i kind of missed the arena league you know so 
in 2007, I got picked up by the Orlando Predators, played in the playoffs with them. And then once again, I was without a job. So went back to the lower level, played a little bit longer with Canton, and then played with... Georgia Carolina, Force. yeah, oh, yeah. And, then, yeah. and then I got picked up by the Georgia Force, okay. and so that was the last team I played with in arena, and that was the last year that arena was like as big as it was mm. because in the end of 2009 as you know like they audited the league and found out yes. that there were owners that were you know hoarding money things like that and so the whole league got audited and so in 2010 there was no season at all like they had disbanded the arena football league as a whole and um i didn't know if it would ever come back or not i was i loved being on georgia so i was like well shoot i need to stay in shape at least so in 2010 i played for the Reading Express, which uh, was in that same league and ended up winning another championship them. And because I was thinking, you know, I'll, I'll be ready to come back in 2011. But as I played with Reading in 2010, I just, the fire wasn't there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though we won the championship and I got defensive player of the league, and you know, it didn't feel right. Like, it didn't feel like I was loving the game like I used to. And, and I didn't know if Arena was ever going to be the same as it was. So I, I hung it up, you know, yeah. and it did end up coming back in 2011 but just like we all thought it didn't come back the same it was almost like starting from square one like players were only getting paid 500 dollars a game and it was just bad man it was just like dang all that those players even before me work for all that we work for you know the blood sweat and tears to get up to three figure salaries and things like that and get respect and be on abc and be on espn you know yeah. the arena bowl was like looked forward to by people you know we I think think the last arena bowl got like over 30 million views or 50 million views My or something. Goodness. It was like ridiculous. Yeah, it was un it was, I mean we were like, what? Like it was we were rock stars all of a sudden. Like, you know, um kids had our jerseys on, like wearing around town. You you were on billboards when you went through town, you know? I do have a Clint Dozell jersey at home. I see exactly. You know, it's just it's unbelievable how big we got and how fast we fell. Yeah. And nowadays I've I'll click through the channels and now they show the arena football league on like the nfl network you know but it's few and far between and like you said there's way less teams now and it's just not as fun man it's just it just it's like we had our time and we're if we could have kept that momentum i think the arena league would still be going strong right now and it would be uh almost like e-league to the nfl like it would be feeding the nfl with great players because a lot of us never would have even got a look you know if it wasn't for the arena league like i still got um approached by nfl teams even after grand rapids you know what I mean? But everyone find out about finds out about my neck and it's like, eh, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're not going to take a chance on that. So especially with all the injuries that you've seen in the NFL lately, like, you know, with Shazier, you know, breaking his neck and um, yeah. that tight end before that in Buffalo. Like, it's just what you find out about any league that you're playing in is that it's a business and uh, they're going to keep it rolling with or without you. So you're not any bigger than anybody else that's out there. No matter if your name is called more than them, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, they can get another player, you know? Yeah, and we've definitely heard that before from everyone else we've talked to is that's usually the big takeaway. It's a business and they'll do what they have to do. Yeah. So do you think any sort of indoor football can be what it was at? It's it's really hard. I kind of remember, but anyone younger than me for sure isn't going to really remember much of what it's so odd. Like, because it's normal to you, you were used to it, but the growth and fall was so weird and so fast and they were so big that I wonder if, it, if they can ever have a league like that again indoor wise. No, I, you know what? I don't think it'll ever recover. 
the reason why I'll tell you why I say that. I'll say that because they're back to where they started. And it was already hard enough to get people to believe in an indoor football league and that it could work and that it was fun and that it was actually real athletic players that had skills you know what i mean as you can see like they tried to do that american whatever associated yeah. league outdoors and it and now the xfl is trying to make a comeback like just because there's always someone else trying i think the arena league has like reached its peak and plus after those I mean, Mike Dicka didn't need to do anything. Uh, John Bon Jovi definitely didn't need, you know, Deion Sanders. All these players had money. They Their ownership was legit, but they're never going to put their name on something that was so tainted. You know yeah. what I mean? And so you lost that it factor. And without that it factor, you're nothing. You know, you're just another league. And so um, the fact that they get to play on the NFL network is just by chance because we got so big. You know what I mean? The uh, only reason they signed that contract with them is because of what the work and sweat and equity that we put in, you know? But even with that, I think that's going to eventually fade and they're just going to be playing in silence, you know? So, yeah, and I kind of feel that. I know I know the, I don't know how much you, again, pay attention outside, but the National Arena League and the CIF, both indoor leagues, have kind of formed some sort of a partnership in a way, maybe growing a league in, in some manner, but still, I, I don't know, it's going to be difficult to see anything get to what Arena League was. Uh, yeah. Is there anything, we'll end kind of here, is there anything, any story or experience you can share with us that kind of shows what it was like playing during those high points? I know you said you flew on the the Columbia, or the um, the Blue Jackets private jet. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a million stories I could tell you. I could tell you about joking with Deion Sanders as we played Austin. I can tell you about like finally meeting one of my idols and Mike Dicka. But uh, one of the funniest stories I could probably tell you is we were I was in Columbus at the time and we were playing this Philadelphia Soul and I had a good game. I had two picks, like eight tackles, whatever, and I got defensive player of the game. Well, I didn't know that Bon Jovi wanted to always meet the players of the game, so. <laughs> They like stand over here, you know, wait for John. I'm like, John, John who? Now, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are they talking about? <laughs> so all of a sudden, like through the midst of this crowd comes this like, I hate to say for lack of a better word, beautiful man with his hair <laughs> flowing in the wind and like he had on a white t-shirt, you know, leather jacket, jeans, you know, boots on. And I'm like, what the hell? That's, that's Bon Jovi. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, so he comes over and the nicest guy you'll ever meet. I mean, really? just like so excited to meet me. Like I was some, you know, and he's like, hey, man, you know, I'm so glad to meet you. And my name is John. I'm like, Let, let's get this straight. <laughs> <laughs> I know who you are. <laughs> I said, you may not know who I am, but damn it. I know who you are. Like he just starts, he starts cracking up, man. And he's like, man, you should stay. You know, I usually do a concert after the game, blah blah blah. So that story right there was like, I mean, nowhere else would I have been able to meet John Bon Jovi in person and talk to him like on a real, real level. Like, and it goes. You know, it goes without saying on a lot of things. Like I said, Mike Dick, uh, I met Deion Sanders. I met John Elway. I met Lynn Swan. You know, Lynn Swan was interviewing. Uh, Lynn Swan was our interviewee for the Arena Bowl. You know what I'm saying? He was the guy doing a play-by-play on the field and telling everybody that JoJo Polk is one of the best DBs he's ever seen. He should be in the NFL. Like, what? Lynn wow. Swan, one of the 
greatest receivers of all time thinks I'm great. Like, it was unbelievable. Brent Musburger screaming my name over the, you know, the big screen, even though he called me JJ the whole game. I loved it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, when is Brent Musburger going to say your name and, like, follow you and just, I mean, it was just an unbelievable experience all around at that time. I think for everybody. We all were just like, these are dreams that we had and we thought that we would only get if we played at a high college level or an NFL type level and we were getting that in this league that we never even knew would ever exist you know what I mean so I think the experience at that time was so great for so many players and so many coaches even like because coaches were meeting these other great people you know so that it just I mean I don't ever see it reaching that height ever again I don't care how many times they uh, you know join forces or whatever I just feel like Sure. Those type names will never sign that contract again. Yeah, and I definitely understand that. Those are fantastic. Those are the people are going to love to hear that just because, like I said, it's such a mythical thing to some people of a certain age. They don't realize what it was. So, this is just for me. I wanted to know. I was curious. So you said you you hit your head with the rampage, right? The, like, and they said, "Don't ever do that again." Right. I saw. I thought I saw you get carted off diving into the corner. Did it happen twice? Yeah. So, all right. I forgot who we were playing. I think we were playing Carolina at that game. I can't remember, but yeah. so. I was diving to break up a pass and I broke it up in the end zone and there's walls in the end zone. And yeah. when I dove, I actually didn't see that. I literally was in the corner of the end zone. Yeah. So, I remember that. Yeah. So I hit the board, but almost luckily I was directly in the corner. So I didn't hit the wall head on. I hit the corner head on. Oh. So you, you have that angle, right? Got a little bit of space. So it, it didn't have that severe like impact, but because it jerked me, I think everybody was just freaked out. I wasn't actually paralyzed or anything at that time. They just knew my past history, and so they would not let me move. And so I actually wanted to go back in the game and play, and they were like, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Your ass is going to go get looked at. And, then, and they did all x-rays and stuff, and I was totally fine. But, I mean, I, it hurt, and that's why I knew I was okay, because it actually hurt this time. Like, I, I mean, I felt pain. Of, I was like, God, my neck is hurt, you know? So, I mean, I knew I was okay, but I understand their fear and, and everything that happened after that. I totally understand. But, yeah, I, that's when you saw me get carted off the game. That I mean, carted off the field that game. Was that 2001-2 or 2005? That was 2002. Okay. Yeah, that was okay. 2002. Okay. Thank you, JoJo, for your time. It was awesome, especially having a brief memory of watching you play. Thank you for all those stories and taking the time. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So I typically record my intros and outros um, one after another, and I always got to be careful not to give too much away in the intros because I want you to hear it from the guests first and then kind of chat about it at the end. And But man, I wanted so much to talk about his injury and just reiterate what an insane story it is that he has the severity of the neck injury that he has and then is out there playing the next year. It's ridiculous, and I'm trying to think of another adjective. <laughs> it's unbelievable, and um, the fact that he was out there playing and um, giving it everything he's got coming up and still making plays like that and dives like that, and that kind of ties in the story I was talking about in the beginning, and you heard me and JoJo talk about it. He had kind of that same dive, and he was with the rampage, and they pull him aside and go, don't ever do that again. But it's a testament to how much some of these athletes, maybe you listening, uh, love these sports 
you know, doctors telling him, you're going to get hurt. You really shouldn't be back out there. Mom's begging him not to play. Don't you want to have kids? Don't you want to have a family? JoJo's thinking, yeah, of course I do. But I love football. And so um, I think it's a, I think it's a pulling and a paradox that many of you out there have experienced before. Um, maybe the negatives of a sport and yet going head to head with your overwhelming passion and love for that sport that you play puts you in an interesting situation. And we all handle it a little, a little differently. Obviously, most of the stories JoJo has would not have been the case had he hung up uh, the cleats following that first injury. I also, there were some other things I, you know, I wanted to touch on, but I wanted to let him say it first, like the story about running into, um, not running into, but being held back so that Bon Jovi could say hi. Not like, hey, if you go this way, you'll see him walk by, but wait here, Bon Jovi wants to talk to you. Like, Are you serious? I mean, again, all of this is a testament to try to show what arena football was. I think, um, like I said in, in the interview, it was like a, it's like a mythical, a mythical story to so many of us um, of a certain age and younger. You have no idea what this used to be, and even if you go to games now, either for a number of different leagues, the Arena Football League being one of them, the Indoor Football League, or the National Arena League. There's so many options, and even if you're at one of those, none of that compares to what the arena football was in you know 2003, 2004, 2005. Completely different. ESPN, ABC, 30 million viewers, figurines being made, video games, flying on uh, on corporate jets, uh, six figures for some people, uh, quarterbacks that eventually go and become Super Bowl MVPs. At one point, being told to go play there for experience by an NFL team, like Jojo was saying, the Chiefs sent him there originally. We don't see this anymore. And this doesn't mean it can't happen. It just means it's different. And it is interesting because we look at all these different leagues that come up and sometimes try to compete with the NFL, sometimes try to coexist with the NFL. And yet, not too long ago, we had a league in the monstrous Arena Football League that was quite a success and lasted several years, not just a success for the spring, hint, hit AAF, but a hit for several, several years and sustaining, and yet still its own thing while playing the game of football, still its own thing. It's a myth. It's, it's a weird story to some of us who aren't um, – familiar with it, but I encourage you to look into it. Watch some of the old footage. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch, especially when, you know, fans are in there. You get Brent Musburger calling it, and um, it's a different feel. It's a whole different feel, and, uh, you know, JoJo said he doesn't think he'll ever get to that size. I don't know. I'm not the expert. Again, I've said that on several episodes. My job is to just talk to people who are the expert and see what they think, but I would love to see that happen, and if that's something you're interested in and that's something you're curious about, really go back to the the previous episode with Kevin Wesniak of the Jacksonville Sharks, a member or the defending champs of the National Arena League. He talks in depth about the possibility of them kind of all working together again, but that is something. It's a cool idea, especially when we're in the wake of the, the start of the XFL coming up next year. This country's always, always looking for more football. And, you know, it is out there, but it does beg the question, what would it look like if we had an indoor football league the way that it used to be? I'm sure your young players would love to do it. So uh, if you love football and you're interested in all in playing indoor, give it a shot. Uh, look into some of those teams. 
reach out to them. A lot of them have open tryouts. Uh, if you have any questions, you can uh, give me a shout. Me and my team can kind of look into that and get you some numbers and um, get you hooked up with that, with some of that kind of stuff. But but if that's not you um, and you're just here listening, thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate the support. Um, once again, I want to thank the guys over at the um, Preferred Talk Ons podcast. Go ahead and check their podcast out. Uh, like I said in the beginning, they do fantasy college football. Great podcast. Great bunch of guys. So go ahead and, and check them out. Thank you for being able to kick ideas back and forth for this one. Also, though, we got to make sure we do it again. I got to thank JoJo for the podcast, man. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for the stories. They were great stories. Appreciate it. Um, but finally, as always, and most importantly, thank you to you listeners. You're definitely the reason why we're able to keep doing this. So I appreciate it. If you have any suggestions, make sure you send them our way. Thank you. Make sure you, you're looking out for our new episode coming out in a week. Thank you all for making it through another episode. A couple things I got a quick run through and then we'll be done. Uh, first, if you haven't already, go ahead and follow us on our different key platforms. Uh, first, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash globallyballin. Also, Instagram uh, at globallyballinofficial and then Twitter at globallyballin. The Instagram and Twitter are by far our most active and they're also very different content. They're actually run by different people. So go ahead and make sure you're following both of those and they'll also both alert you for when something new is posted either in the podcast or Patreon, which I'm gonna talk about in just a second. Also, um, when it comes to the Facebook account, the Facebook account seems um, less active and we're aware of that. It's different kind of content and more is coming to the Facebook page. So you'll wanna like it to make sure you're ready when a new wave of different content, which is coming soon, starts to make its way on there, which is exciting. Uh, finally though, is the Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com and then you search globally ball and you're gonna find our account, $3 a month and with that, you're going to get a couple of things. First, shout out to all the supporters, which is great, which is actually also really good for any of you athletes out there. It's a great way to get your name, your brand, your place where people can find your highlight tapes, all that stuff. That'll be plugged in our episodes, which is great. So if you become a patron um, for the $3 a month, you'll get that. In addition, though, what we're really kind of excited about, not that we're not excited about the other one, is that you're going to get a bunch of extra content. It's gonna be different from when I originally recorded this to when you're listening to this now. We're gonna keep adding to it. Uh, there's a lot of different stuff. It might just be extra stuff that didn't fit into an episode. And there's also a whole new um, different kind of content called Candid Conversations, which is basically a whole new show that we started. As the name suggests, it's a conversation between me and somebody else. For whatever reason, it doesn't fit into an episode. And if you go check out one of those Candid Conversations, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So that $3 a month, you're gonna get your shout out and your um, your help to support your brand or get attention to your highlight reel or whatever, plus a lot of extra detailed, fun content in addition to this free podcast. So go and check that out. Refresher, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash globallyballin, Instagram at globallyballinofficial, Twitter at globallyballin, and uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash, or patreon.com search globally balling and you'll find do the three dollar a month patron if you're interested and get all new content a bunch of additional content uh if that's not for you totally fine we still really appreciate you supporting and listening uh if you have any suggestions make sure you send us a message again because we're most active on instagram and twitter that's the best way to send us a suggestion we'd be happy to listen and um and try to get anybody in that area 
and that sport, that country, that topic that'll help you best. So make sure you send us one of those requests. Otherwise, thank you again for listening. You'll hear from us again uh, next week.